0: Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch Roundtable, freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment, mostly World of Warcraft, because let's face it, that's where a lot of this story is, for now. Uh, I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today, as usual. First up, he's a shaman columnist, he's a lore expert, he would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe.
1: Well, hello. How's it going? Pretty good. I have a sleeping cat on my head, well, oh, kinda.
0: on your so. head?
1: she's on the back of my chair she doesn't know uh, how to loaf yeah like, you know how cats like tuck their their feet under she doesn't know how to do that so she's just kind of like sprawled out as wide as she can get kind of like a uh, kitty scarf yeah so she's kind of got like her front paws like over one of my shoulders her back paws over one of my shoulders and she's just out cold so If you hear snoring <laughs> it's not me it's definitely my cat it's the cat
0: Good. All right. Also with us as well is our other esteemed co-host and lore expert and warrior expert, and that would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi.
2: I'm not here. Didn't I tell you before I wasn't here? I'm not here. I'm out doing stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm very important. I'm a kind of a big deal. <laughs> I don't know what's going on this week. I got guys.
0: <sighs> this week has been so messed up schedule-wise. I have um, not slept. <laughs> you and me both. So, yeah, we're going to... We're going to kind of jump straight into things, because the last time we got together was just before 8.2 came out, and it has since arrived. People have been playing through it. Some people are even flying by now, which is nice. I am not one of those people yet. I will be, eventually. I swear. I I want my wings. Please. Um, But one of the things that we have brought up on the Blizzard Watch podcast, and we tried not to get too much into it, because... It was the Blizzard Watch podcast, and it wasn't Lore Watch, and this seemed like a Lore Watch discussion. It was the various cinematics that have come out from Eight Point Two? Obviously, if you haven't played too far into Eight Point Two, like you haven't rescued Bane, you haven't, uh, you might want to duck out of here, come back when you finish that stuff. Uh, it's all out now, so go play it. Um, if you have played through it, cool. We're going to talk about it. So that's your official spoiler warning. Let's talk about that initial cinematic for 8.2 because one of the things that we had discussed was the fact that it was interesting that in that moment where that beam of light comes up out of the water nathanos doesn't flinch it's it's like he's expecting it and he probably is i don't know um Joe, you play Horde primarily, so I'm kind of curious. I-, I know, like, little bits and pieces of what goes on in the Horde storyline. I just haven't played through it all extensively myself. Um, what is Nathanos doing?
1: So that's a good question, because I have no idea. Um, this is one of those weird things where, and I've had this discussion this week, particularly about this cinematic and something else we're going to talk about later. It feels like there's a missing piece here. I've done every bit of story. I've done every war campaign thing i've done everything that's available up to this point and i still have no idea what's going on and that's troubling to me it's almost like we missed something
2: you've been doing it as a horde loyalist or a sylvanas loyalist
1: as a horde loyalist so me like but that's the thing like is that something that's so completely removed because of that and if so you know why is nobody talking about that because i know people that are like diehard like yeah i'm i'm forsaken through and through this is my horde now that have the same questions i do so i don't know if that's a choice thing that's coming back or if there is just no explanation for it
0: i think mitch sided with sylvanas like in his choices he went ahead and sided with her just to see what would happen
2: what would make you say that this because is i know mitch yeah. no, that's the <laughs> joke, i don't guys. i don't
0: i don't think that um he had reported anything different if, yeah. if anything i think he's just as mystified as the rest of us about what's up with that crazy knife so now, I, th-
1: I was gonna say i think this is something that's going to be explained in retro yeah like i think as we progress through the story we're going to get either a flashback or a cutscene that explains why Nathanos had the knife, why he was there. Because Guys, the interesting thing is, we gave this to Sylvanas. Sylvanas gave this to Nathanos. She's nowhere to be seen right now.
2: Can, can I say something that I've noticed here? Go for sure. it. Do, do you remember the intro to Stormheim? If you were Horde? Yes. Yes. Remember how Sylvanas just vanished and didn't tell you anything, and there was no explanation to you whatsoever, and you just kept on doing what you were told to do, and later on you found out she was off doing stuff, and you never got to see it? Yep. You don't get to see what she's doing. You just find out about it after. Sure, but I think in this particular case, though, the,
1: the difference between this and that is you're on the boat with Nathanos on your
2: way there. You were on the boat with Sylvanas. That's when, she, when she takes off, she takes off from the boat you were on. I, I, and Nathanos There's all that was, attack stuff
0: yeah. that's going on, and then when everything goes down and you wake up and you go find Nathanos,
2: Sylvanas is already left.
1: But he's also concerned and looking for her as well. Oh, I understand that, but this time
2: time it's Nathanos who vanishes and doesn't tell anyone what he's doing. And the other Horde leaders have to kind of go, oh, whatever. I guess we're just going to keep going without him then.
1: Right, but that's not the part that's troubling. The part that's troubling is what are we doing on the boat with Nathanos in the first place?
2: Yeah, and we didn't know that. In Stormheim, I, I'm saying I'm not saying that the, that there's not stuff we don't know. I'm saying that it's very typical of the, of Sylvanas's leadership style. Sure. Oh
1: yeah, no, no. To that not of, to that not, to not
2: inform people and to make deals in the background and to be working secretly with Ashara the whole time and we didn't know because that's what she's doing. Uh, straight up, that is what she's doing. She's working with Ashara the whole time. Mm. Uh, no, she is. Th- this is set up. Look at the way this works. He knew. It was coming. It isn't just that he doesn't react. He gets that little smug look on his face that he gets every so often. Yeah. But he always does. Exactly. But he always does because things are always going the way he expects because he's working for an evil manipulative mastermind. Um, I, I really feel like there's no other way around this. That dagger was leading them there. He's holding the dagger in front of him. As the boats are rocketing across the water,
0: like a low and, stone or yeah, something, he's using sure. it like a
2: compass. There's the you know? As Sharon knows, they're there. She's you know, her, her minion comes up and says they've arrived, and she's like, "Oh well, go do the go do the tidestone then, please." It's just there's from the moment that dagger plopped into savannah's lap. Th- before that even happened, the whole chain of events that led to that dagger being found was extremely hinky. It was the Naga who were looking for it in the first place. We find it. You the conveniently
0: dagger... find a little yeah. medallion thing yeah. that we drops find off out about of that. the Naga.
2: Just conveniently yeah. happens to be there. <laughs> yeah, we find out about that. We find the knife. The knife starts talking to us. And, I mean, once again, us being the PCs, we, we don't do the smart thing and go, oh, the knife is talking. Ah, drop it. We go, oh, that makes sense. I should do what the evil knife is wait, telling wait. me. What if all of this goes to, like, when we get through the whole thing, everything with Nizoth, everything with Zalatath piecing out of the blade, everything with turning it into Sylvanas, all of that stuff, step by step, we're being led somewhere. And I I, feel like very much this is part of that.
1: I agree with we're being led there to a certain degree, but I'm not sure I agree with the pretense that it's Sylvanas working with and And here's where I'm coming from on that a little bit. Looking at the cinematics, looking at some of the intro stuff, looking at the story so far, I'm wondering if Nazoth doesn't trust Azara anymore and is setting up a contingency plan to put her into the blade.
0: Do you think that Nazoth ever really trusted Azshara? I don't,
1: I, I don't think he ever did, but I think he's starting to realize that like there's no way she's going to essentially side with him and the end of things, right? Like that's not her mo. She she above all else and everything that happens he caught her in a moment of weakness do you not think he he realizes that she probably resents that because all the interactions while you're you're doing any questing in that zone any interaction you have with her that's the impression that i get from the dialogue that comes off of her is that she's looking for a way either a to usurp mzoth and take over whatever he was going to do uh, or B has been looking to sort of get out of their arrangement from the very beginning, because she will bend the knee to no one. And I, I, that's where I, or tentacle, whatever you want to say. Um, So I'm wondering if Nizoth isn't hedging his bets and sending Sylvanas, or in this case, Nathanos there with the intention of putting Azara into the blade, which is why he let Zalatath out of the blade in the first place. It's a prison. It's a prison for very powerful things. She's a very powerful thing. She's a very powerful thing that might be standing in his way from his endgame. So I don't know. Like it's that what you said is definitely interesting. There, there is, you know, always the possibility that she's working with Ezara, but I also think there's a possibility that she's essentially a hired gun without knowing she's a hired gun.
0: What do you think, Rossi? What are your thoughts on this?
2: I think ultimately it's kind of we're dealing with two individuals who are extremely manipulative and and love to scheme. I'd say three individuals at this point. Well, you don't know anything about Nazoth. He's a good old god. They all scheme and manipulate. No, they're they're not. The old gods are completely alien beings. We think we know how to deal with them, but we don't. And it's been proven time and time again. When you try and deal with an old god on the level of a master manipulator or scheming for individual, you are playing right into its hands. In fact, I think that could be the problem here. If Sylvanas is working with Nizoth, she is going to lose. Oh, yeah. Um, if the thing about Ashara is Ashara's always been doing well against Nazareth. The simple reason is that she's not playing. She took she straight up said, I you know, I won't do it. I won't follow you. I won't be your leader. I mean, I won't be your servant. The second you think you can play it, it starts shifting the game. Um I definitely think Ash, I think Ashara is fully aware that Nathanos is there and was coming in the first place. Because like I said, in the cinematic, they're aware they're coming. Sure,
1: oh yeah. No, they know. You know.
2: They know that they're coming. The reason they're coming is because Nathanos is on a boat with that knife in his hands being led to that point. The the Naga know about it. The Naga were keeping traps in the knife. Remember, they wanted to get it in the first place. So I think the Naga know and I think Ashara knows. The question is, does so Sil- is you know, what you're saying about Sylvanas if you're what you're saying is true, she's directly working for Nazoth.
1: Well, maybe not necessarily yeah. work directly working with the because we know that one of her big motivations has always been the the uh, security of her racist future right like that's always been a motivation for her that's always been something like that
2: no it hasn't always been a motivation well for let's say
1: okay since recently, cataclysm,
2: it's, cataclysm. Been a, it's been a motivation for her but i i honestly but, think that the sense uh war crimes and especially since before the storm it may not be the motivation for her
1: but what if it's what if this is that promise of power through not necessarily directly you know, given by Nizov, not directly communicating with Nizov. We know that she follows bits of lore, hence the, the Lantern, hence Helia, hence all that sort of stuff that she's been going through, where, like, this is an artifact, this is a very powerful artifact that I could use to accomplish whatever goal I want. What if that's what happened? It's not necessarily that she's directly working with him, but her spy network came back with this information. Hey, look, the Naga are looking for this powerful artifact because XYZ, here's what it can do. And she goes, oh, I can use that for this. And so she's playing right into the hands of whatever scheme is going on under that promise of whatever this thing is supposed to be able to do. Because don't forget, she never wielded Zalatath while Zalatath had a sentient being in it. We did, as player character. She never dealt with that consciousness. It's empty when we give it to her.
0: I think there are three potential possibilities here.
2: I bet you there's a fourth, but I want to wait for there's yours. <laughs> probably
0: there's probably a fourth, but but there's three right off the bat, first off, ashara's trying to turn on Nazath and wants to put Nazoth in the knife cause, as we've said before, the knife is kind of like a prison, um, so you know, put the old God in the knife, and then Ashara can rule the world. Cool, that's great for her, alternatively, Nizath wants to put Ashara in the knife because Ashara has done about as much for him as she possibly can once he is released and he no longer wants her as a piece Lucan. on on the chessboard as it were the third possibility and it's one that not a ton of people have thought about but I have seen people you know kind of d- talking about it here and there the old gods are allied with the void the void has been pretty blatant and very loud spoken about how Sylvanus is a thing that should not be Mhm. So that third possibility is that they are luring Sylvanas there, because they want to put her in the knife. And we aren't going to see no. a siege of Orgamar or anything. We're going to see Sylvanas just.
1: Well, I mean, extrapolating on that, there's entirely a possibility that, and this is something I've been, I've been kind of wondering. old god, prisons have keys in some capacity. Yeah. What if Zalatath is part of that key, but needs something inside of it to operate?
0: It might I mean, be. There,
1: There's a reason it's being brought to where it's being brought to. I mean, there's entirely a possibility that Sylvanas will be, you know, locked away or Hajar will be locked away and then it'll be the key part that is missing to let N'Zoth out of his
2: cage.
0: And that could very well be a potential possibility, but I don't know if the Void would have been as adamant about "Kill kill her, kill her, kill her, destroy her. She's an, you know, an aberration. She's a thing that shouldn't well, be. Like I, I don't well, know. That's,
1: that's pure void versus old god, right? And we've talked about this before.
0: Yeah, but the old gods are a product of the void.
1: They're so, a product of the void, but they're not necessarily guys, the pure guys, void anymore. Um, remember? and
2: okay. I'm going to jump in here.
0: Go for it, Rossi.
2: At the hour of her third death, she will usher in mm-hmm. our coming. Yep. yep. That's exactly talked about what I was that before. About People have, have tried to make it be Sylvanas and so forth, but.
1: What if it's your I want
2: you to th- no. I want you to think about something. Think of various beings that have a problem. I'm not trying to find the right way to put this. Going back, let's say, well, well past 10,000 years, much much more than 10,000 years ago, there was an old god in a prison. That old god wanted out of the prison. So it bent the minds of the various Titan Forge keepers to its will, uh, specifically one of them named Loken. Logan realized oh i've I got a problem here uh, i i I need to cover up what I've done. Uh, what am I going to do if if Odin finds out what I've done, the prime designate will you know he'll punish me. so he went and found himself a disgruntled former Titanforged forged named Helia, and he brought Helia around to his way of thinking. with Helia's help, he imprisoned in another dimension that the you know he Locked away the halls of valor so that Odin couldn't interfere. Uh, Helia therefore was free to pursue her own goals, and she did so by creating a, a domain in the Shadowlands. Back in Stormheim, uh, an impudent banshee came to see Helia, and made a deal with her. One of which we've never learned the fallout from.
0: Helia has technically died twice,
2: and we know that Helia isn't gone. Oh yeah, no. In the this, Island Expedition stuff says she's still around. this expansion, they say she's still around. The goddess of death, death can't die that easily. And this expansion's all about death. Death's coming up all the time. The Gorak Tool and the and the Drust and you know Buan Samdi and we don't know who decided Sylvanas should be war chief in the first place, but it was, supposedly wasn't the Lich King and it supposedly wasn't the Loa. At least no, it wasn't. Certainly wasn't Buan Samdi. No. Could have been Helia. What? Whose third death are we talking about? And how will she usher in their coming? And when, again, Helia, for all that she ruled in the Shadowlands and was a death figure, was corrupted by the old gods. And as the only current extant old god, Nazoth could be the one, you know, basically her paymaster, for lack of a better word, her superior. And Sylvanus and Helia have some kind of deal. And if anybody understood how to use a soul-trapping knife, hell you would. So, like I said, I think there's a fourth possibility. There's more than that, even, because I could come up with two more. Oh, yeah, there's
1: a myriad of possibilities. I
2: do think that Sylvanas and Ashara have had contact. Even if the two of them are playing the game of each is trying to play the other, I absolutely believe that Sylvanas... I'm just going to say this. Sylvanas would think nothing of betraying the Horde and has already done so several times. And she does not care. They do not matter to her. She will she talks a good game about the mattering, but they don't. And she she does that very much with the Forsaken, but they don't really matter to her. Because look how fast she came up with ways to justify eliminating whole swaths of them. The second they you know what what Sylvanas truly, above all else, wants is control. And you see that in in Before the Storm. They won't listen to her, so she has them killed. It's, she, t- she thinks she knows best, and if you don't listen, she'll just take you out because it gets in the way of what she believes is the best possible outcome. And all of this really started going after she touched the Azerite. Mm-hmm. And for that matter, Anduin Rin, who never gave up on a person in his life, Anduin Rin, who got crushed by Garage Hellscream, crushed! Almost all the bones in his body is broken. So badly damaged that Velen could barely save him. And yet still, multiple times, went into a cell to chat up Garrosh Hellscream. Even though Garrosh was treating him with contempt the whole time. Has given up on any hope of of reaching peace with Sylvanas Windrunner. At the same time, after they touched the Azerite. I don't think that they're out of control. I don't think they're insane. But I think the Azerite has very definitely influenced them. If for no other reason than it basically brings along, it it kind of creates a heightened state where everything you ever thought of can seems possible and feasible. And I believe that Sylvos even says this. It's a, step, says it's a this.
0: step above Caljamite, and the whole will yeah. give you ideas.
2: She says at one point that she just every she could conceive of a million plans that would just ultimately crush the alliance. She just boom, they pop into her head, and she can see all the ways they could work. And of course, it it fades when she's not in direct contact with it, but. I definitely think that that had an impact on them both, that they're both not acting the way they would otherwise. Anduin's being incredibly underhanded this expansion. He sends a strike team into Orgrimmar. Mm-hmm. Anduin Rin. I mean, I'm not saying he wouldn't try and do something to save Bane, but the idea oh, no, the of... the
1: shades of his father around that one.
2: Yeah, the idea of sending a strike team into Orgrimmar, I mean, granted, it worked, and it's interesting to see, but I definitely think that Sylvanas and Ashara are have been in contact. I don't, I don't for a minute believe that when, when, uh, when Nathanus was coming out there with that knife, I believe that it was something that, that someone had told Ashara, this is going to happen. It might not have been Sylvanas, but I, I think, think it was.
0: I think I want to go back to Sylvanas for a moment because um, there's kind of an interesting aspect of her character that I think kicked off with before the storm. And I think before the storm was much more of a transitional shift for Sylvanas than, than people necessarily think because what what happened Sylvanas Sylvanas was killed and she was brought back and then she got her free will back and as soon as she got her free will back she was bent on getting her revenge against the Lich King and when the Lich King was dealt with when he was delivered that final blow and everybody said oh hey he's gone she went to the Frozen Throne And she looked up at the Frozen Throne and saw somebody else sitting in his place. And that shocked her to the point that she said, well, guess I'm done, and tossed herself off the side of the Frozen Throne. She tried to kill herself. She was successful. She was floating in the dead void. Arthas was there, which was kind of creepy. The only thing that brought her back was the Valkyr. And the Valkyr brought her back and showed her that... This quest for vengeance it wasn't the only thing that was worth her existence that there were others out there that were being taken advantage of there were her people and she didn't necessarily care too much about the forsaken at that point like that that this is this is the moment that that whole i need to figure out how to keep people going these people are more than arrows in my quiver that's when that whole, whole thing kicked off at that point there was this transition from the Forsaken as loyal followers to a family of sorts and a family that she desperately needed to keep going because otherwise they were just going to be used by Garrosh and die out. As far as Garrosh was concerned, they were just cannon fodder. It didn't matter if they died it didn't matter if they were crushed or whatever because they were already dead. Sylvanas saw what happened after undeath and it terrified her. And she didn't want any of her people to experience that. And I think that's when she kind of got onto that whole track. And it's interesting that it, it feels like there's this idea of family involved. Because then we move on over the years. And we get to war crimes. And there's this very intimate little side story. In which Sylvanus is reunited with her actual family family. Her family from life and she starts exploring that concept and that possibility and the idea and it's still creepy because her idea of bringing her family to her and reuniting with them is to kill Verisa, raise her in on death, and they could rule together side by side and it'll be great and everybody will be one big happy family
1: all Right, and Even it, when the, in the comic book it was the, to kill all the, both of them
0: Right, well Verisa, Verisa turned her down and she went a little nuts and said that she wasn't going to love ever, 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 ever again. And they had that meeting between the three of them. And she afforded them another little moment where they were allowed to walk free. And then before the storm happened. And what before the storm did was show Sylvanus that these people that she viewed as her family-ish kind of thing didn't all necessarily agree with her and there were there were people there who weren't content to remain at her side and I feel like maybe to some degree that was as much of a slap in the face as what Verisa had done to her and that's kind of where her priorities started to shift I feel like because all of a sudden all of a sudden it wasn't it, it was this sign that the the creatures that she thought was were 100% firmly on her side. They had her back. She had their back. She was trying to do everything for them. They weren't there for her. And I think that affected her more than maybe even the book suggested. And I think that that's when she started going on this crusade of whatever it is she is trying to do. She had no compunctions at all about killing those those Forsaken. The Forsaken from that council. Because... They weren't, as far as she was concerned, they were just disposable and useless and weren't on her side. And I'm and I'm kind of wondering, like, part of me kind of wonders if that's why she was just so gleeful about destroying Teldrassil. It wasn't that she was quashing hope. I mean, yes, she was to some degree, but it was also high you know, all of your family members and your loved ones and everybody else up on that tree. Yeah, I can make them disappear in an instant. And then maybe you'll know a fraction of what I've been feeling all this time. And I don't know. Sylvanas is an interesting character. I I just, I feel like there's more going on here than just her working for the Forsaken. And Rossi, I think you're right. I think, you know, her priorities shifted Somewhere along the line. And I'm not sure exactly where. But I feel like before the storm. There's a reason that that was the setup novel for this expansion. And that maybe what went on with the council. And the betrayal. The perceived betrayal by the council. Those that wanted to go back to their living lives. That kicked off a lot of what's going on. Because what she did in Legion. With the lantern and everything else. That was specifically for her people. This other stuff that she's been doing. Not so much anymore. She's got her own agenda. She's got her own thing that she's doing, and I feel like events have just kind of pushed her into it. I don't know. What do you guys think?
2: I I'm gonna let Joe talk unless he doesn't have anything to say. I
1: I don't know. Like it, I I agree that I think her motivation has definitely shifted. uh I don't think that we know what it is yet, and I don't think we're gonna know until well towards the end, right? <sighs> like it's it's hard it's hard to to speculate what her current goal is beyond control beyond justifying everything that she's done so far. So I don't know. I, I, I'll i let Rossi go. Like I'm, I'm going to formulate more thoughts on this.
2: Okay. I got a lot of thoughts about Sylvanas. I've, I was actually just rereading war crimes the other day for this reason. Um rereading yeah. the scene with her and Verisa. Oh, they're so um, good. Th- there's more than the thing about the scenes with her and Verisa is there's the initial wariness And, uh, you know, she kind of plays with her a little bit. She even makes her, there's a point where she makes Verisa admit why she really cares. She's like, no, I'm not doing this unless you actually say it. And she's like, no, you know why. It's like, I want you to say it. And at first it feels like she's doing it to be cruel. And, but when she actually does say it, can you imagine you've just confessed the most heart-wrenching pain of your life and your sister's corpse comes over and kind of awkwardly pats at you? Sylvanas doesn't understand how to be alive. That's the thing we keep forgetting not when we talk anymore. about her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she is not alive. It's not that she doesn't feel. It's not that she doesn't have feelings or emotions. It's that she is trapped in a body. Like Even before she was trapped in the body, she was trapped as a ghostly spirit. Her existence isn't the same. She's literally transitioned into something else that's not a living being. Sorry, I just had a throat thing there. Uh and because of that, the way she approaches all this stuff is different. It's it's flattened out in places. It's her emotions when they erupt go completely volcanic. She doesn't have she neither has the the warmth of a living being nor the control of a living being. And as if it as a result of that, everything she does, if you if you watch her, if you look at her in in every scene she's in, I think Patty, Patty Madsen does a great job of playing this. Sylvanas is an extremely precise and controlled individual because at any moment she can erupt into that screaming banshee, the, the one you see in the Battle for Undercity City trailer, when she's blowing up into the banshee and goes through multiple people and screams for the Horde really loudly and in that voice. That's who she actually is underneath that surface. Sylvanas is roiling emotion, but she can't be. Not just, and it's not a case of her just being strong willed to control it. She literally cannot deal with this. She cannot face it. She cannot bear it. There's a point where she's like, when she's talking to Verisa and she's like twitching, she's actually like twitching. And she's like, it's, it's, it's like, she, she doesn't want it to stop, but it's like phantom pain. It's like the, the feeling of a limb that you lost a long time ago. You don't have the limb, but you still feel it. And that's what this is like for her. And and she, you know, she was... I believe she was completely sincere in her offer to Verisa. Yes, she didn't tell oh, her absolutely. about... Oh, kill- yeah. absolutely. She didn't tell her about killing her, but that's because she knew she wouldn't understand. And I, moreover, I believe that when Verisa apologizes in the comic and Sylvanas doesn't give the kill order, there's like... I don't know how to explain, explain this with a way that would make sense. Uh, I'm going to just use something from my own life. Um, When when I I went through certain trauma when I was young and when, when you go through that kind of trauma, it changes the way your, your thought process works. You don't have the ability to calmly and rationally, you know, weigh that the odds of something happening, you immediately kind of get a panic response. I think they call it, it, it's like PTSD and you, you can possibly fight it, but the fact that you're aware that it's happening doesn't change the fact that it's happening. Mm Mm-hmm. And Sylvanas, I very much think that is what's going on with her, that she might in some part of her know this this reaction is not is completely outsized. If you look at the, the uh, I, I keep going back to the the old soldiers cinematic and you look at her staring up at the tree. That is not the look of somebody who is enjoying it. She's not looking up at that tree and exulting. I showed her I killed all those people. That's a look on her face of what? Like there's a look of pure like confusion. Like, what did I do? I I know I did that. And then when she starts when when uh Sorfriend starts talking to her she gets this like look on her face of like what like don't bother me now almost. Cuz you know he's he's bothering her with the truth of it. That this is what you've done is so horrible. This is going to have repercussions. They're going to fall on us like a hammer. And and I think we should move on to the second cinematic because I this connects to that. So if we could discuss that for a bit I can come back to this and I'll I'll have some stuff to say about it.
0: Yeah, the other cinematic that I wanted to talk about was the one that comes in after you rescue Bane. Um Jaina teleports everyone safely to Thunderbluff and there is a cutscene where Jane and Thrall Jaina and Thrall did I just call her Jane? Jaina. Jaina and Thrall actually talk to each other and i we were joking before the show that this is the, it's it's the su- successful culmination of the first leg of thrall's apology tour <laughs> because the conversation that they have is a really really good conversation and it's one that they should have had like all the way back during um oh my gosh it was a, no tides of tides of war
1: mm, yep yeah, okay
0: when Jaina when when Theramore was destroyed and um, Jaina kind of went off on her bender um, Thrall came to her to try and talk some sense into her and he did a really terrible job of it and I feel like the words that he said this time around were a lot more effective and kind of demonstrated that yeah he does blame himself for that stuff on on a level that maybe we don't quite comprehend yet but Jaina gets it because she's been doing it for years and she's only just begun to forgive herself for it. Um, And you see that, you know, when you're playing through the Alliance quest chain and you go save Jaina, there's that wonderful, wonderful, wonderful cinematic with her and her mother. Uh, Anyway, let's go ahead and talk about that.
2: Well, one of the things I wanted to tie into here is there's a lot of mirroring going on. Yeah. With that cinematic. Um, And one of the things it does, there's, there's, the point you mentioned about, you know, Thrall's finally saying to Jaina the stuff he probably should have said earlier. I don't know that I agree that he should have said it earlier because I don't think it would have worked. I don't, I don't think she would have listened were...
0: to him at that point. No, it
2: was definitely the right time now. And yeah, not only would she not have listened, he wasn't there yet. Like, I don't think Thrall really understood what he'd done wrong. Oh, yeah. No, until... that, was, and, that was very apparent. And there's been a lot of. One of the things that I've, I've liked in War Crimes, again, going back to War Crimes a lot, because I re, one of the reasons I reread it was because I've been thinking about this stuff. There's the part that Bane mentions. There's a thing that I think Thrall had not internalized until War Crimes, that there's a scene where Cairn comes to him and says, you can't put him in charge. You can't do it. He will destroy the Horde. You've got to stop. And Thrall's like, well, look, I'm going to leave you as advisors. And he's not going to listen to us. I'm telling you. You can't do it. And Thrall got angry. Thrall basically pulled a, I've made a final decision. This is the way it will be. If you have concerns, stay and guide him. And he basically pulled rank. Yeah. And Karen was like, you know, was resigned to it. He's like, I can't, if I can't convince you, I can't convince you. But Thrall always knew there's the part where Bane stands up and Bane says to him in court, he goes with respect. Why didn't you listen? And Sylvanas was thrilled. Sylvanas was like, "Yes." He, you know, everyone saw him get blamed, um, but I think that that's that's a lesson he didn't internalize until he finally had Garage at his mercy and didn't he didn't show mercy. Well, I mean, know? look at that last the last
1: statement. Like Garage sitting there tells him, "It's your fault. It is everything that happened is your fault."
2: Act, even more than that, the, the statement you made me is not just saying everything is your fault. Mm-hmm. It's saying literally. I am your creation. Yep. I am what you wanted. I am the orc hero you thought should be in charge. Because you secretly, the reason Thrall failed as a leader is because Thrall didn't think he was a good enough orc. Yeah. He never has thought that. In the back of his head, he's always been like, but I'm not really good enough. I don't really count. I was raised by humans. I don't really, I can't lead my people which always which always
1: struck me as a bit odd too when he when you're going back and talking about how he made that like that final decision, that whole scenario played out weirdly to me. It was almost like he was playing at being that sort of that warlord again he's like you all you've all told me that I am this thing for for all of these years, and so now you know I'm going to do this, this is my decision, this is everything you've told me I am, and then to see that sort of reflected back in Garrosh later, right. Like it's 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 a very interesting, very interesting, uh, emotional toll that but, he wound up going through.
2: So you get to that point where Thrall finally, at this point, he he has now had time to to, to look at what he did, to feel the repercussions of it, to feel that the spirits didn't approve of it. The spirit, keep in mind, the spirits didn't approve of him killing Garrosh Hellscream. scream. Why not? Why why did they turn on him? Is it because he used them in the Megora? I mean, is it, strictly speaking, I've never heard of a rule in the Mac Gore that you can't, you know, use your power. No. So, what is it? What didn't they approve of? They didn't approve of him turning his back on what he is, trying to chase after what he thinks he should be. And that's always been Thrall's problem. The reason Garash Hellscream got Mates put into that position, that Garage Hellscream didn't want and tried not to take. Garage said to him, no. Uh, sir, no, Thrall, find find someone else. I'll, I will. i i am a military general. leader. I'm not a political leader. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will be the best general that person. You, you know, if you find someone else to be war chief, I will be the best general that war chief ever had. But don't don't ask me to do this. And Thrall's like, no, you can do it. And so Garage sat there and said, well, if he wants me to do it, he must want me to do it. And so there's that moment when thrall finally understands that's the thing he hadn't reached yet in war crimes he absolutely had not reached it yet uh not in and in um the you know tides of war he absolutely hadn't reached yet he hadn't known failure yet that's the other thing up until even at that point thrall hadn't actually known failure yet but he was coming off of having succeeded he formed the thro- the Horde. He did that successfully. He moved them to Kalimdor. He did that successfully. He helped stop the invasion during the Third War, again success. Uh, led the Horde for years. Left on his own terms. F- helped reform the Earth and Ring. Saved Azeroth from the Cataclysm. Sure, bad stuff had happened with Garash's War Chief, but he hadn't actually failed. You know what I mean? There's that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until Theramore that he started to realize how badly he'd messed up.
0: And I think that that moment in war crimes, the one you were describing, where you know Bain said, "Why didn't you listen?" That is a very good mirror of uh, what Jaina said to her father right after he fell at Theramore. Yeah, she said, exactly. "Father, why didn't you listen?" I the the thing I, I think the thing that Thrall or Thrall took away from that trial most importantly was that in that moment that he turned Karen away he signed Karen's death warrant absolutely like without
2: oh that yeah question. without question and, and it's not even it wasn't even Garrosh's fault no Garage was just as much a tool of Karen's death as anything mm-hmm. it was you know magath was the one who gut. put the poison on the blade yeah. but yeah mm-hmm, exactly but there's the thing to consider too Karen saw what nobody else saw was that Garrosh only respected a few things you know, when you again, war crimes shows you Garage, um against the only person who could reach him was Sarfang, and Sorfang reached him by basically saying, "I'll kill you if you if you take us down that path, I'll kill you myself." And that that didn't he wasn't afraid of it, but he respected it. Garrosh goes, well, "How are you still alive? Why haven't you taken your own life?" And he he doesn't it when he when he says that to him, he's not being rude or disrespectful like he was for the rest of the conversation. It's just a question. He's just asking and Saurfang answers him he doesn't answer him you know he doesn't give him a profound statement but he's like I, I don't eat pork and there's that's you know when Karen did what he did he was trying to reach him the only way he could be reached um, the only problem was is that for all that Garrosh knew that Karen was big and strong he didn't really respect his ability as a fighter he didn't really think he'd lose he was trying to scare Karen off that's why he made it you know if Magatha hadn't
0: intervened like she did I think Garrosh would have had his butt whooped.
2: It's quite possible. I mean, not only is Karen physically stronger than Garrosh, he he's incredibly experienced. He would have known how to outlast him, but that moment and and a lot of other moments since showed thralls inherent inability to grasp, not the horde, but himself. And in a, in a way that's why it wouldn't have worked. Um, Jaina and thrall at this point have both. He's just starting to, she's been through everything she's been through all of this she's been through the arthus stuff she's been through theramore she's been through the Kirin Tor turning on her she's been through returning to um cultiris and rising to the rank of lord admiral dealing with her family reconciling with her mother reconciling with her past she's been through all that you can't walk through that much fire and not get tempered at this point jaina she is a very pragmatic person she's a very reasonable person reasonable in the sense not the mm-hmm. sense of false reason reasonable in the sense of she now has made her decisions she's she's thought about who she is doesn't doesn't mean she's perfect and i'm not trying to say she is but she's finally the person who can live up to her failings and not just failings like you know i failed to save you know arithis or whatever when you do that scenario and the the sun reaver shows up and says you you purged us and she you know she doesn't deny it She doesn't try to claim, well, you were, you know, you were, she says something like, you know, you were working for the enemy or whatever, but she doesn't really defend herself. She just says, then your problem is with me. So while that's a really
1: cool, like character development for her, here's, here's where as a horde player, I have issue, or at least I feel like I'm also missing something here with this evolution of Jaina, because literally all of these things happen after she just sieged a city and murdered a lot of innocent people. And like,
2: uh, you no, know, she didn't. Yeah, she
1: did. You
2: didn't murder any innocent people. You guys, the, they're horde allies. They were working as part of a plan to help conquer the alliance and call terrorists. And you know they were. Because sure, you were so all plans. those all those
1: merchants and orphans and everything. Those, those were helping okay. that along too. But well, right, my, my tell point is, them. as a horde player, I'm giving you my perspective here. Whether you agree with that or not, that's your that's your decision. I'm giving you my perspective on it. As a person who's taking back the city, Storm Song Valley. As somebody who's taking back this city and attempting to save Innocence from this, and I'm not saying what the horror did was right, I'm not justifying any previous action, okay? I'm talking about this particular instance. As a Horde player, I'm coming off of the Siege of Desire lore, where she is the penultimate fight after she has helped raise this city, or at least attempt to, uh, and seeing as a horror player all those people that are running screaming for those lives, children and Innocence and stuff like that, and then seeing her go, okay, well, I guess things are okay now. Like, I feel like I miss something in between.
2: I don't see her say that. She doesn't say that at all. I'm paraphrasing, but I, you know, yeah, but you're kind to... of stretch. You're kind of distorting it by with your paraphrase because she doesn't say things are all right I mean, now. Haven't, haven't she doesn't offer. Jo- I'm Rossi, giving my opinion. Rossi, it, let right? let
0: Joe finish because we're hearing, we're hearing what it looks like on the horde side so let's just hear what it looks like on the horde side here before we interject but
1: and while i while i enjoy the development of 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 how that story how that cinematic ends and i think that's where it should have been and i think that's where it should have been a while ago through whatever means i agree that now is the only time that it could happen but as a horde player who finishes that scenario you're sitting there wondering she literally just tried to kill me i literally was in this fight with her where she tried to wipe me from the face of this earth. And now uh everything's just supposed to be okay-ish. Not okay, but kind of adjacent to it. And that's one of those weird things for me as a horror player because while I understand it narratively fits where they want to go with the story, I don't see where that turn is for her as a horde player. Okay. I don't see that sort of that sort of that tempering as a horde player. That's the part that I'm missing.
0: Yeah, and that's that's horde storyline stuff, and I do I think I see where you're coming from because the last time you, you guys see Jaina on the horde side, she's attacking Dizarra Lore, and then the next time you see her, you're helping her she's helping you free Bane. So there's like a disconnect there. Is that what you're getting at?
1: Kinda. And like and even as me as a player who like isn't is a horde, you know, loyalist in game, but not a Sylvanas loyalist. Right. And not down with what she's doing and trying to do my own thing and wanting to save Bane, it still comes off as weird. Yeah, it, 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 and that's that's the part that I have a problem.
0: Yeah, and I think, I I think maybe that was handled a little awkwardly, um, but you have to keep in mind, you know what Rossi said about Storm Song, because there's a lot of vit- 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 I can't word today. There's a lot of validity in what he said in regards to Stormsong because those guys were just minding their business and then the Horde showed up and decided to raise, like, just torch everything. Oh, no, again, I don't
1: disagree with any of that.
0: The animosity animosity has been building between both sides for quite some time now. What you guys miss on the Horde side as Horde players is that whole storyline with Jaina and the resolution that Jaina gets to, that she comes to at the end of all of that and... How she gets to be Lord Admiral? There's a lot of there's a lot of character progression there, and a lot of introspection there, and a lot of Jaina forgiving herself for all of the stuff that's happened to her. Because a lot of stuff has happened to her, and you don't necessarily see it on Horde side. You, and that, you just don't. And that's my
1: problem, right? Yeah, yeah. like that would have been nice to have, like even a glimpse of that, or or something like that, where it's like I've you know I've had time to think about this or something.
0: And I feel like I feel like with this particular cinematic. Jaina's not necessarily there for Horde players. Thrall is.
2: And, he, and I agree with that.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. Also, I do think we have to mention, too, this is not a conversation between Jaina Proudmoore and the Horde.
1: No. No, it's Jaina and Thrall.
2: Yeah. And it's different when it's somebody you've had a lot of different relationships with. Like, quite They've frankly. They've been through Jane... a lot together. Yeah. Quite frankly, I'll just say this. If Jaina Proudmoore killed your character, you deserved it at this point straight up you deserved it because you were an enemy combatant in her territory you went and actually did if you did storm song at all as horde you straight up engaged in a campaign of war in her land just like i as an alliance player i've gone to to zandalar and i've done stuff in their territory if talanji whooped my ass i of course she's gonna sure you know, she's Queen of Xandalar and I just blew up her fleet. <laughs> and she's you know. super powerful. And that <laughs> yeah. and that
1: that, and that I agree with. It was just sort of like it, for me it was sort of like if Talanji if it was reversed, right? If it was Talanji yeah, If
2: it was he reversed, here's over. the thing. I honestly think it could be reversed. I do think there could be a point where Talanji agrees it's better for everybody if we back this down. Not because she likes the Alliance and wants to be friends with them. Because I do not believe that's true. Her father is Correct. dead and she wants yeah. revenge. Oh, yeah. But she wants to, she wants revenge as a living person who gets to have revenge because she's alive. I, I think that the Jaina-Thrall conversation, it works because both Jaina and Thrall are at a place where they can forgive each other. Sure. And that's the point where when he says, I wish I could change it all. And he even says to her, we've done this. We've, we've been at the crossroads how many times? We've done this.
1: And it we, always ends yeah. specifically. Yeah, And I get that. It's just so, that if it was a discussion between Jaina as a representative of the Alliance and somebody as the Horde, like I don't view as a Horde player Thrall isn't part of the Horde anymore. He's withdrawn from that. I think, he withdrew from that a long I time ago. And I think that's t- where the disconnect is. I
0: think what we need to take from the cinematic, though, is that it's not a meeting between Alliance and Horde that we're witnessing here. It's mm-hmm. the reunion between two old friends. But, but there's
2: also something else here. There's something else here that I really, I honestly want you to think about here. Cause I think the cinematic is asking you this question. Are you in the horde anymore? See, and that's the thing. I don't think that for as a play as a horde player, I think I don't it is that from it. I do think that that is the question it is asking. And it's really asking is, is anybody at what point aren't you just a member of a faction? See, and I think... And at I what think... point are you something bigger? There's, we're moving that, that's the entire message of this whole expansion. It's the, the, the one cinematic we haven't talked about when we've been talking about other cinematics, because it's not a full cinematic, but when you go to the Chamber of Heart, mm-hmm. and you talk to Mimiron, and you get the, the bit with Mother, when she, you know, starts talking about the essences and all that stuff, there's a point where he straight up just says, you know, Champion, if you don't do this, the world is going to die. And that... But- there's this thing, this undercurrent that I think is in both of these cinematics. Not in both of these cinematics. It's in that cinematic that I think is trying to be established at the end of this one. These people are all have to make a decision. Are we going to work together or not? Not because... The thing where Sorfang turns to Jaina and says, Tell your king he is not alone. Mm-hmm. That harkens back to... which one, Oh, what cinematic was that? I can't remember the name of the cinematic. Where and, 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 Anduin, Anduin says... You know, he's like, I hoped you would stop her. And Anduin says, I can't. And then he opens the door and goes, not alone.
1: Yeah. So, and, and I get that and I understand that. But I think if it wasn't so heavy handed in that regard in the questing as a Horde player, like immediately after that, you launch into a series, you launch into a discussion, a quest with Lotharmar, uh, about specifically that. And you get more of that from that than the cinematic. And maybe that's just me having gone through those quests. But as a horror player, I feel like that's been a setup since I mean, how many weeks ago did we talk about the the uh, trial of Bane basically giving back uh, Derek and then him coming back and being arrested and sitting back and talking with all those NPCs? Yeah. And you're already starting to see that that's been that's been the thread since this expansion began is that all of the leaders are like, this is this is not cool, but I'm too afraid to really do anything while that fear starting to give way. And as the champion, you can now, you know, sort of exact that sort of balance or try to be that, look, I got to go do what I got to go do. And it's not burn a tree. It's not murder innocence. It's I got to fix the world and then go punch the big bad in the face like that. And I'm fine with that. I think that the cinematic does a little bit of that, but I don't think it does as much of that for a horror player. If you're playing the quest, because the quests do that 10 times more, I think. So again, just my opinion on it as a horror player. I, I wish there would have been just a little bit more callback to the resolution of Jaina throughout that whole thing, because again, we don't get to see that as a horror player. That would have been nice to sort of round it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um I think what I appreciated about the cinematic though is is, you know, what Rossi was talking about as far as that question at the end there. And that answer that Jaina gives, it's not necessarily applicable to Thrall and Jaina. It's applicable to every player who is witnessing that scenario, who's who's witnessing that cinematic. It, it's, have we grown beyond this? Because we've been playing World of Warcraft for how many years now? 15? Is it 15? Did they just do their Shut 15? Shut up, I don't want to think about yeah, it. Yeah, it's been 15 years. Far too it's long. Been a while. We've been playing this game for a very, very long time, and when we came in on day one... A World of Warcraft
2: subscription is going on with prom next week. I don't want to think about this.
0: Oh, geez. So, like, when we first came into that game way back when, it was Alliance versus Horde, which was a pretty standard concept. And, yeah, it totally worked because that's what all of the Warcraft games were. Up to that point, it was Alliance versus Horde. It was this RTS stuff that was going on. And I guess the question is, have we moved beyond that narrative beat? Is it time... To move past it all. And I feel like Thrall and Jaina have been through enough and seen enough and been kind of like witnesses and participants in just how bad it can get that they have answered that question for themselves. Yeah, it's gotten too bad. Yeah, they are willing to set that aside. They have been. They have been for the longest time. Part of the reason Thrall was having kind of troubles as a leader was because he was trying to pursue that diplomatic path, and there were members of the Horde that just kind of weren't having it. They, they didn't want to let old hatreds die. Mm-hmm. Same thing on the Alliance side. There were Alliance members that did not want to let old hatreds... Jaina was kicking around in Theramore, but what was going on in Stormwind, you know? And I think these two have probably had one of the longest journeys in the game to date Um, because it predates the game. It goes all the way back to Warcraft 3. So exposition or no, I think that question is still a valid one. And we aren't going to get to emails today. I'm so sorry, folks, but like we're already running out of time so this is this is fine this is fine (laughs) i don't mind did
2: you honestly think we were going to get to emails i I thought
0: maybe we would but you know it it, uh, anytime we bring up sylvanas and anytime we start talking about thrall and jaina yeah we're just
2: we're i didn't even get to mention the thing about sylvanas that i tied into the cinematic well i
0: will i will let you do that i will let you do that in a minute Actually, no, I'll let you do that now. And I will just leave this question for the final thoughts. So you want to, because you were talking about how this kind of relates to the whole Sylvanas thing. So I kind of want to hear how you tie that together. Go
2: ahead. When you look at the cinematic, when you watch the scene where Thrall, where Jaina goes and looks at Thunder Bluff and they show you Thunder Bluff. I think I might've got, I might've been watching Taliesin in in the video when he mentioned this. I'm not sure. If so, Taliesin, I'm sorry, I'm biting your idea. But one of the things that I immediately thought of when I looked at it was that it's all red and for starts talking about how she's going to come and thunder bluff will burn and that's what leads into the whole thing and i i was really struck by the callback to the the cinematic where she's staring at the tree while it burns and it keeps making me think about Sylvanas put bane under Orgrimmar. Mm-hmm. she didn't execute him immediately she kept him under Orgamar, and clearly she knew they'd come because she had a Sunreaver waiting for them but putting a Sunreaver up against a group with Jaina Proudmoore in it sure he wants revenge but I mean I want revenge against the impersonal cosmic forces that took my mom away from me decades ago but I can't beat them either but putting that Sunreaver in that room with Jaina Proudmoore was just a guarantee that he'd lose Like he can't take her
0: he well- drew the short straw in who gets to do what <laughs>
2: Well, he wanted to be there. He he, was, like, oh, he yeah. was straight up. He's he's very. And I did like that they put someone she just straight up wronged in.
1: Yeah, that was a nice touch. That's,
2: that's a nice touch. Jaina, you know, for whatever reason, her Jaina reasons were the purge of the Sun Reavers was going way too far and she doesn't really defend it. But more importantly, it's another example of Sylvanas. This was all orchestrated by Sylvanas. Mm hmm she wanted and, and you even if you're Horde and you decide to you can even go back and report to to Nathanos when it's all over and he does more of that yeah that, that that's what we expected keep watching you know he this is all they were okay with
0: letting him go well yeah. it, it, it furthers if you sided right? yeah if you sided with Sylvanas through all of this and you get to the end of it all and you go talk to the appropriate people it's very much like flat out stated they wanted the alliance to come there and they wanted Bane to get busted out. So it was something they wanted to happen and they planned to happen.
2: Now, think about this if you're a Horde player, if things, if events play out the way Thrall says and, and Sylvanas comes and burns Thunder Bluff, that'd be two Horde cities gone. Mm-hmm. This expansion. Grant, And both by their own hands. Like the, the, the Horde would successfully have destroyed three cities this expansion. <laughs> and the alliance would have stopped precisely zero of them um there's that's kind of messed up horde you gotta stop blowing up your own cities uh but think about i feel like we're expecting a swerve well, i'm I'm expecting a swerve from sylvanas almost because if there's not a swerve it feels thematically wrong like just wiping out thunder bluff that's like okay you know all the tauren like we i guess it's all the Torrent are the enemies of the horde now like, do you, do you see where I'm going with this? Like, I feel like this ties in to the whole what is Sylvanas doing with that knife thing. I don't think Sylvanas is going to do what they expect. I don't think she's going to come burn the, the Thunder Bluff. Because I, I think Bane got out because she wanted him out. There's Sylvanas' long game is different than we think it is.
0: She sent Torin leadership to Silithus to get them mm-hmm. out of the way people that might have protested what she was doing. She sent them down there to go take care of business and get them out of the way so they wouldn't interfere. Bane's been quietly kind of interfering in the background, and this may be her way because she can't just, you know, send him to Selethus or whatever, but if she makes it if it looks like he's being a traitor then those that are loyal to her will never trust him again. Even if he did escape they're not going to trust him again. And it'll cause others a
1: moment of pause.
0: Yeah.
2: And if they think that she is going to come burn Thunder Bluff, they, they have to try and come up with a way around it. They have to try to plan her for it. And it gives if she has no intention of burning Thunder Bluff... It
0: just distracts it them from interfering with resources. whatever she's actually doing.
2: Yeah. I'm not saying that it won't happen because it might. I, I'm never going to try and bet on what the story direction is going to be. But I keep looking at this and thinking, now she's got them all worried about Thunder Bluff. And meanwhile, Nathanos is doing whatever he's doing with that dagger. And nobody is stopping it. Lothamar isn't stopping it. Yeah, and that's, uh, so that's the thing it's not that stopping me. it. It doesn't bother me. It just I find it fascinating. Well, like
1: I, I'm, particularly the Lothamar thing, like I'm, I'm wondering if he's going to start actually being mo- more overt finally with some of the dialogue that's been had, because there's no one left. Everybody else is busy. Everybody else is preoccupied. Like it's falling squarely on his shoulders at this point.
0: I don't know. It's an interesting question. It feels like. It feels I mean, like... if anybody's
1: if anybody's going to be as sneaky or as, as potentially behind the scenes as Sylvanas, Lothamar's the only one that I think, and of all the Horde leadership, that has a half of a chance because he, he knows knew the her. Tricks. He knew he was trained by her, wasn't she? Wasn't he at some point? He, he was he, her second. Yeah, he, he, was, he, yeah, he knew he her. her. He so, knew her
0: better than anyone when she was alive,
1: which makes him better than Nathanos. Is, is just not acting on it, at least in my opinion. He, here's and he knows the thing. the tricks.
2: Here, here's the thing about the Nathanos uh Lorthamar situation. Mm-hmm. If you go back and read that story, Lorthamar hated Nathanos. Resented that oh, did not out. like it oh, at yeah. all. No, they hate each other. <laughs> and Nathanos was a better archer than Lorthamar. And that was all it took. Lorthamar has an ego, and he's not like You'll notice that Haldor and Brightblade is currently the head of the He's a high Rangers.
0: elf. Of course he has an ego. They all have egos. Yeah, I play but, one.
2: Anyway. <laughs> just the whole thing. There's a lot going on there. I, I just, I keep coming back to this. I don't think Sylvanas wants to burn Thunder Bluff. I don't think it's an interest to her. No, I don't think she cares about it. And the more I look at this all, the more I think we're going to see something we, we've not prepared for. I don't think it's going to be as easy as Shar as getting stuck in a knife or Sylvanas getting stuck in a knife. I think the knife is part of something else and you know what would really be messed up that's something that keeps occurring to me over and over again. What if at the end of this expansion like we we end up instead of destroying Sylvanas and tearing her down and making her pay for what she's done, what if we end up having to swallow it all because Sylvanas is the only one who can stop the old gods?
1: That know, would be, right? some, isn't it a heck awful of a thing. thought? Where, where she thing. goes, I couldn't trust any of you. I couldn't tell you anything that was going on, but I had a plan from the beginning.
2: Ah, and you, you have to take it. Yep. Cause I don't think when they say she's not garage 2.0, I don't think they're lying.
1: I agree. I and agree with that.
2: That's, that's something I've been thinking from the first, because here's the thing. Intellectually as somebody who studies plots and looks at these things, I could see that happening as a player. No, I want her dead. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot going on with that. And I say that it, as a play like it my, would take my a lot characters.
0: for anyone yeah. to like overlook what she did to but tell if herself. If the fate of
2: the world is at stake, and you have to, like, can you just imagine how everyone's? It would basically be everyone holding their nose and waiting, waiting for this all to be done, so that now we can kill her. And she knows this; she's not stupid. There's just so much to this. There's so many possibilities and it might not be any of it. It might be, you know, what we think it might be. It might, she might come to burn Thunderbluff. It might all be there, but they've been doing enough with the story that I'm really curious to see what happens next.
0: And part of me kind of wonders um, if Sylvanas is doing this very much on purpose because she wants to distract the Horde, splinter the Horde, get the Horde working against each other. Yes. Against the Alliance, but also against each other so that nobody's looking at her
2: or even unite them yeah and
0: i mean this is this is how
2: oh this is- oh yeah. you see it don't you yes you, mm. you
1: couldn't you couldn't truly act as one until you had something to unite against and the alliance wasn't good enough yep <gasps> because you, you that saw would it, make, huh? yeah no that okay okay yep 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 i'm seeing it going back <laughs> to the questing oh, like no. i because oh. i could see her giving i could see her giving that grand speech. Well, now that you're all here and working together. So yeah. glad you so finally would, decided. So would, because think about it, from the beginning, from the very beginning, nobody really trusted her as war chief. No. Like none of the faction leaders really bought into it. We even have an entire quest line trying to figure out who named her as war chief because we still can't believe it. But we're so focused on her that she's just swerving into it maybe that she's like they already don't trust me. They're going to splinter one way or another, I'd rather give them something to focus on because, like, like
2: you said, she could have killed Bane. She didn't. She could have she, killed sarfang She didn't. No, she she just left him. Yeah, and she left him to the mercies of Anduin Rin, who yep. she knows full well. She knows I Anduin's knows, not going to exactly kill. exactly what's
1: going to happen. Even Gen, even Gen Greymane at this point, she knows how he's going to react based off of what's happened in the, like before the storm, based off of everything that's happened with his evolution as a character. He's not going to kill an honorable quote-unquote honorable soldier
0: based and on these... even everything that went down in Gilnais. exactly
1: because he might be a tool that he can use later to exact his revenge so she's also uniting the alliance
2: yeah In a, in a so... way
1: that in the way that now that the legion's gone what other what other factor would we possibly have at this point
2: war is a living thing mm-hmm. it hungers it twists your king knows nothing of war she says yeah. that she, she's she's there's a lot going on, and this might not be it either. That's the thing is, as we discuss these possibilities, it could be a completely different direction for this. But I really do think at the end of this, we're not going to get to kill Sylvanas Windrunner. I, I so agree. If, if I, you, don't gonna, I don't think she's. I don't think that's going to happen. No. You need to, to adjust your expectations because Garrosh not 2.0 for,
0: would be way too
2: easy
1: for for all the things Rossi and I have disagreed on. That is one thing we have agreed on since day one of BFA.
2: It's just it. Nah, they nah. too too much work. Too exactly much
0: work. yep okay well we're kind of running over time a little bit because of course we are <laughs> so we're going to go have to go ahead and wrap things up here we do have emails we will go ahead and address those next time um speaking of which if you guys have an email for lorewatch and we do try and get to those <laughs> when there's not fascinating stuff going on you can send an email to podcast at com. be sure to put lore watch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for the show and you can ask us about any game doesn't have to be world of warcraft but boy we're on a world of warcraft bent right now aren't we um Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Watch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you guys, the listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um, we mentioned war crimes a lot this episode, and we also touched on Before the Storm. Both of those are available in audiobook format and you could choose to get those as you know your free download. Get one of those as your free download with a free 30 day trial. Uh, you can download those. You can download any of Blizzard's other titles that are available on the service or they have thousands and thousands of other books to choose from. Some of which have nothing to do with video games orcs or dragons or undead creatures bent on destroying the world or saving it we don't quite know um you can get those by signing up at blizzardwatch.com slash audible for that free 30-day trial and your free download and every sign up helps support the show and everything that we do okay guys final thoughts and now i'm going to go back to that question that i was going to ask you but then we got diverted so rossi i know you had mentioned that like it seems like that question of faction loyalty and whether the factions are necessary and whether any of this is doing any good, that kind of thing. Um, whether anything has actually changed uh, seems to be addressed to the player as much as between the two of them in that cinematic. So I want to ask you guys, um, are you ready to say goodbye to the Horde? Or say goodbye to the Alliance? Are you, are you ready to just like drop this faction divide and work together on stuff from a narrative standpoint? Or do you think those old hatreds are still too strong to get over, Joe?
1: I've been ready for years for that, honestly, because I've never been a big alliance versus horde person ever to begin with. I thought that it ran its course through the RTSs and through the expansions that we've already had, and I think it's time. I think it's been time to move on for a while. But the more that I look at it, the more I look at the NPCs that are dying out, that are being removed, the pieces that are being removed. Uh, from the story aspect of things, uh, those old hatreds are slowly but surely—I uh, don't want to say they're dying out because obviously we just had a tree burning—but for the most part, like you made dumb- it sound
2: so festive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but the newer generation, I think, is more likely to see it's a midsummer the fire festival friend. right
0: now, isn't it? Is, of course. No, um, m- anyway,
1: <laughs> but I but I think I think it is time, and I'm I'm one of those people that I'm ready. I'm ready to sort of be done with it. We don't have to be best friends. We don't have to be, you know, going through, skipping through the streets of Stormwind together, holding hands. But I think it's time to, like, oh, war is everything. That has sort of run its course. It served its purpose. It's done,
2: in my opinion.
0: Rossi, what about you?
2: I have a lot of different feelings about this, depending on the day. I know. Um, I, I, I I almost wish I hadn't decided in Legion to play an elf. I went into Legion. I'm like, I'm going to play a Night Elf this expansion. I'm going to cause all that Night Elf lore and Azuna. Ooh, Ashara might show up and there's stuff going on. And then they, <laughs> then they burned the World Tree and it's like... Ah! Ah! It's very hard for me when I think in terms of my character. Since we're talking about lore and role playing and all that stuff, when I think in terms of my character, it's very hard for my character to not just grow astonishingly angry anytime she sees Horde. Like there's no way I I can't stop and think about my character and think of a way that she could be okay with them. You know, it, it, it's like asking it's asking a lot. Like you talked about horde players the last time they saw, you know, Jane as she's killing a bunch of people, and I I get that she was, but imagine you're now asking a night elf, "Well, we going to make peace now." <laughs> they, they marched up here and burned my home. No, like imagine you're anduin at the end of this and you're trying to sell that peace plan to the night elves like what would their response be it doesn't feel like it would be good please so, present your idea to the night warrior i'm sure she's gonna yeah. be real open to hearing about that so there is that that's an aspect of it that i do that's in me but at the same time orcs and humans have never seemed more alike to me than they do right now oh like, yeah there's there's everybody's getting dumped on everybody's getting. Having losses, everybody's losing stuff. The the Zandalari have just like lost their king and their fleet. The KulTiras, their nation's been dumped on for years. it's just everybody's like you feel like everybody's tired, and it it feels like when Joe mentioned that the lore figures are leaving, even Gen Greymane feels like he'd kind of like it to stop. Mm-hmm. When Gen Greymane looks like the scene of him on the boat and he's being dumped down and he's like "Ah!" he has that oh god you're gonna put me in the bath look on his face that my dog gets and i just i don't think the horde and alliance should go away because i don't think it narratively i don't think it would make sense that they'd form a prayer you know form a circle and start singing happy campfire songs at each other i feel like they'd want to you know if nothing else they'd want to get some time apart and not deal with each other for a while but i think for players i think it's a good time to finally move to a how about you go over there and we'll go over here and we'll just stay where where we're supposed to be and you stay where you're supposed to be and we don't talk like well if I have something to say to you I'll send it to this guy
0: we don't have to be friends but we do have to coexist
2: we can be frenemies or we can just not like I just won't deal with you for a while let's just let's let's just take a step back and count to 30 and and maybe just, you know, I'm going to try and fix this and you you do whatever. I, I do feel like that it's a, it's a decent time for that. Uh, but, man, uh, every so often someone mentions the Night Elves going off and forming their own angry faction. And I got to admit, I got a hard time. I don't know how anyone's going to pull that one off. If you can keep them. He's like, oh, hey, we've brokered peace with the Horde. You're okay with that, right? Really? You're okay? Taranda? you're not talking and you're just staring at me and I feel like I'm getting warmer. Oh, there's a beam of moonlight directly over my head. That's not good. Like,
1: I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. Maybe that's how the end times start.
0: <laughs> coming Maybe. from um, coming from another role player's perspective, I think almost every character I have ever role played has towed the line between factions. Yes, they've been a member of one faction or another, but it's not like a diehard, ooh, I'm going to fight for my faction and da-da-da-da. It's more like, these people are convenient to me for now. And in that from a role player's perspective I don't see a problem with it but then again like I said the narrative that I chose to build for my build for my character is very different from the one that you've built or the one that other players have built I'm I'm interested in seeing how people react to this and if there's if people are ready to kind of put things aside because the thing is is it's not just the characters in the game that have to do this it's the players that have been playing this game for 15 years or you know It's if they're ready to put it aside, too, because we make up a lot of that story, whether we like it or not. Um, Anyway, that's going to go ahead and wrap us up for the show. Thanks, you guys, as always, for listening, and we will see you again in two weeks.